Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical, with your hosts, hosts, authors Keith Giles and Matthew J. DiStefano. What's up, everyone? It is another episode of Apostates Anonymous with your hosts, Matthew J. DiStefano, featuring Keith Giles. Yes, thank you. Thank you for featuring me. It's good to be here. Thank you so much. <laughs> the afterthought that is Keith Giles. What's going on? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm in. Do I look tan to you? You you look marvelous. Yes. So, I'm in, so I'm in Maui. I'm ex- you, know, you know what's weird about vacations? My wife mm. and I were talking about it yesterday. We're in Maui. We've been here like... Uh, we're going to be leaving in a couple of days. We've been here like almost a week. It's fucking exhausting. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You can't wait to get home so you can rest. Well, you know, you got the flight and that takes it out of you. And then you're, we've been at the beach every day in the sun. Your, your yeah. time's all fucked up. And it's like, when do I go home again? Yeah. No, I'm not complaining. It's really, really lovely, but it is just very, it's very tiring. You're just, cause you, you know, you want to go see shit and you want to go do stuff and. And then you're like, wait a second, I haven't stopped moving. This is supposed to be, this is supposed to be relaxing. What am I yeah. doing here? Yeah, that's why I, I, I have not t- taken a lot of vacations in my life. Um, we, we don't, we don't, we haven't gone on a vacation in a long time. And, and then it's like, we worked really hard for like three months overtime and all this shit so we could pay for it. And then it's like, I just want to, I kind of want to just be in my bed. Like, yeah, you know? yeah, I but, understand, hey. man the art of the humble brag what am i gonna say <laughs> yeah i'm so it, it sucks man having to go to maui and then go to the beach every day and damn Fucking ridiculous man. i know uh, it's, no. God, it's, ridiculous, no, it's, lo- it's, it's been lovely it's been a very nice time um, well, that's awesome it's, it's yeah it's interesting to go you know it's cool they got a lot of uh where we're at they got like a million of like food trucks and shit so it's mm-hmm. it's just so expensive here dude it's phenomenally expensive give me an idea like I, how expensive? Um, I'll give you two. There's a house down the road, like 20 minutes from here, on the beach, on a cliff. It's $59 million. <laughs> <laughs> I put in an offer. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't take it. Um, uh. And then we were at the grocery store. So my daughter likes these little like Caesar salad packs. Yeah. They're like $2.99 at grocery outlet in Chico. Uh. $12.99 at the grocery oh. store. Yeah, no, no, I'm not. No, I ain't playing. Twelve ninety nine. Twelve ninety nine for just a little Caesar, like a solo Caesar salad pack, you know. Like, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. It's just, so it's it's it it's um, it's sad because it's an island of like really rich, and then there's homeless people everywhere. Oh yeah. And really, really poor. So it's there's no. It's kind of like um like a snapshot of America's like yeah decreasing middle class. Uh-huh. Like there's, there's hardly any of that. Like if we lived here doing what I do and my wife is a nurse, like we would be probably lower, lower, lower middle class. Yeah, of course. Just, just based on the price. So I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how people live. Yeah, man. That's nuts. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very, do? it's very interesting. It's a little bit sobering of the, like this it seems to be the direction America's going in. It the is. very, very wealthy haves and the very, very non-wealthy have-nots. Honestly, when I look at the way, speaking of the direction America is going, there's that side of it. But then there's also the way things are looking 
politically, and we've covered some of this right. in our recent episodes already. But it's like yeah. I'm thinking, man, you know, you know, you joke about if it gets worse, I'm going to Canada or I'm going to move to Europe or something. But honestly, yeah. I mean, like I'm seriously at a point in my life right now, looking at everything where I'm I'm very seriously considering where else could I go or mm-hmm. live. Mm-hmm. because this is like a nightmare, dude. It's it, crazy. I, I, th- I thought about that when I saw a thing that like, it's probably not going to happen, but will Marjorie Taylor Greene be Trump's running mate? I'm like, okay, stop. Yep, stop yep. you right. What the <laughs> fuck are you? What? No. Uh-uh. The nope. fact that we could live in a world where someone who has done what he has done could run again after trying to have it, you know, lead in an insurrection to overthrow a democracy, that he could still run and win again. Yeah, just and that the, the, the fact that you walk around and about forty percent of the people that you see out there in the real world are like, yeah, that seems plausible. Sure. That seems I'd reasonable. Vote, I'd vote for I, I yeah, would not. I would hitch my wagon with that motherfucker <laughs> again. Yeah, I wouldn't wow. live in that America. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I do and, not. Yeah. So let's um. But we're we're not gonna. We've done a lot of politics on this show today. We're well. It'll probably politics might be involved, but um, we're gonna have something a little bit different. Uh, but but before that, we have uh, a word from our sponsor. Another so, music themed. Um, yeah, sponsor. we're collect. You know, we're attracting. I think more music, uh, more record companies, it. and uh, we're getting. And we're, bands. Yeah, we're piquing the curiosity of record labels, record record executives, Christian, and the Christian music world is has noticed us. Yes. Finally, maybe we'll win a Dove Award. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so here it is. Sunshine Rainbow Records presents Songs of Devotion and Praise, a brand new double CD collection of worship songs from Pastor Craig Glock's White Christian Nationalist Church of American Freedom Lovers. Every song in this collection is inspired by your favorite sermons from America's most beloved conservative Christian white supremacist pastor on the internet, Pastor Craig Glock. You'll rejoice as you sing along to these inspiring songs, including hits like Let's Go Brandon, To Hell With Those Devil Worshipping Democrats, Angel Sweat Wings From Jesus, Cocked, Locked, and Loaded, and who could forget the praise anthem, Get Out of My Church, You Baby Butchering Election Thieves. For just $99.95, you and your straight white American family can sing along to worship favorites like CNN Can Eat My Dirty Socks. I can only imagine crucifying Democrats in my dreams. God's amazing love. And of course, burn in hell, you spell-casting, devil-worshipping mongrels. Order now, and we'll include a bonus DVD of Pastor Glock's most famous message of hope for American Christians entitled, Jesus, Please Save Those Low-Down, Sorry, Compromising, God-Hating, Communist Demons Who Voted for Biden at No Extra Charge. Visit www.GodHatesDemocratsWhoVoteBlue.com to order your copy of this inspirational worship album from America's favorite internet pastor, Craig Clock's White Christian Nationalist Church of American Freedom Lovers today. I, I like you know? I, I, I like those tracks. Those are good. You know, I think I've heard that song. I can only imagine crucifying Democrats in my dreams. Yeah, that's that's a good song. It's a catchy song. The crazy thing is. That's only part satire because I know, as you said off the air, those are real quotes. People. Oh yeah, a, a little yeah. Most of those quotes of those song lyrics are are actual verbatim quotes. So I actually had to go. I went on YouTube 
to refresh my memory, and I pulled up some of his, you know, sermons, and uh, and some of those are direct <laughs> quotes of things he says from the stage. And I was just like, well, there's a song title, you devil worshiping mongrel, <laughs> baby, baby massacring mongrels, whatever. Like, oh yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's a great song. You witch, you you witch. You demon, demon worshiping witch. Yeah. And then, you know, he's always doing this. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. banging the microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got his little shtick. He's got his little thing. It's crazy, man. Like, yeah, he is. He's basically, to call that a pastor, to call him a pastor, to call that a church, like, there's no, at least the stuff I listen to, does he quote the Bible? Is there a scripture application of any kind? It's, it's, well, it's they, basically yeah, a he shock, he's a shock rock disc jockey podcaster, uh, political podcaster who happens to have a church. That's crazy. Who is, has a church that's gaining membership yeah. from what I can tell. Because there are as many people who's watch him and either laugh or roll their eyes or want to throw up. They're apparently, as we said, are lots of people who hear him and say, finally, someone who makes sense. <laughs> finally, someone who says what I'm thinking. He just says it like it is, Keith. <laughs> he just tells the truth. He shoots from the hip. I, I love yeah, that about him. He's I just saying what we're all stuff, thinking. Yeah. Yes, yeah, of course. God help us. Yeah, anyway. So, which but probably, topic, yes. well, it brings us to our topic because <laughs> we're going to talk about the second coming. And it's one of those things. Please come and take us away from this. Well, no, exactly. Because it's something that, like I used to, you know, we had this view of the world, right? That included most likely the rapture, uh-huh. the second coming, oh, yeah. Yeah. the falling away of the church. And then you move past that, right? Mm. And then you look back and you're like, well, hold on. There's some truth there. <laughs> like, yeah. should I should I start believing in this sort of thing where where like, uh, an antichrist figure deceives the church and they yeah. all fall for it and it's a falling away and then the you know the the true believers are really the ones who aren't you know, it's like wait the remnant, this, this, yes. the remnant yeah this this um this narrative that i no longer believe in the more you pay attention to the church in america you're like oh, hold on now like maybe, yeah. maybe there's maybe. something to that in a, in a twisted way but yeah, not the way, not the way that they would have thought. Yes. Right. That's what's so crazy. Is that, yeah. The church that taught me that nonsense, which I have since, you know, decided, no, that none of that's real. That's all made up has yeah. become the church that is fulfilling that prophecy yeah. themselves. They are yeah. becoming the, the church that is following and celebrating and defending this beast, this antichrist. Uh, figure, false prophet figure, um, and and cheering all the way, right. and, and 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 this is again the other part of it, right? So in that sort of left behind Darby narrative, this Antichrist in the end times who shows up is going to a deceive the church, mm-hmm. b check form uh, like a one world theocracy. Where he alone is the leader, the supreme leader. Check right. Um, they want this stuff. They they're eating it up. They can't wait to get to this, you know, to this world where their pseudo Christian religious leader 
um, rules everybody with an iron hand and persecutes actual people that just want to follow Jesus. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's not even really about Trump per se. It's, but it's, but it's a movement towards that. And it seems to be when times are tough, people gravitate towards like an autocrat, a dictator. And so we've got leaders in our government right now that are openly saying that they are Christian nationalists. Oh yeah. Um, They are promoting fascist Mm. uh, doctrine Yeah. in the name of Jesus, which is the great irony. And it's all a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's almost like uh, our foreign, our, our foreign policy, um, that that brings about this this same you know with, with Israel and with the Middle East oh, yeah. that brings about the things that are written in Revelation, which has nothing to do with the future. I don't think. I mean, no. that, that's what I used to believe, but in a way, it cyclically comes back and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because they believe it. That's and right. so when they believe it, they bring it about when they are in charge. And and too many of them are in charge. The Gates, the Boberts, the Taylor yep. Greens, the ones who are openly saying that they are Christian nationalists, or if yep. they don't openly say it, they align with those who do and they align with the same type of policies. Yeah, absolutely. And then But so newsflash, this- newsflash, Jesus ain't coming to save our asses. I'll just say that. So exactly. And then that's so that's the part of it. So, you know, in general, there is this you know, there's obviously different ways to that people that Christians approach the book of Revelation, not revelations, but revelations. Yeah, let's just say that if you say revelations, I already don't care what you say. It's revelation. <laughs> it's no in S. revelations. Yes. No, revelation, <laughs> singular. Anyway, um, in Revelation, um, so there's two ways to approach that book. And most of our life, I think you and I grew up. Uh, in churches that literalized it and believed it was about the future and it was it was all about things that were going to happen they either were happening right now or were you know prefiguring warning us about events that were going to soon very very soon happen so mm-hmm. that's one way to look at it you and I have since moved away from that that no that's not what it's about but the other way to look at it is in a way though it's it's nuanced right because in a way it's like well, so it isn't that, but it is in a way telling us that, um, you know, in general terms, you know, there are, there will always be empires. Mm-hmm. There will always be uh, oppressive, you know, uh, psychotic dictators mm-hmm. um, who exploit people for their own benefit. There will always be a remnant of people um who see through that and resist mm-hmm. that and end up suffering for that and being put to death for that. So now that we can see as a pattern of history, we can see, yes, it was going on, you know, in AD 70, it was going on with, um, with Nero, but it, then it continued to go on right with other, other emperors after that in other countries, it's happened in China, it's happened in Russia, it's happened in Germany, it's happened in South America. And in many ways, smaller ways, right? Those types of things are still going on. So you could say in a way, this was written, you know, way back when, and, and it's in the Bible. And is it about the future? Well, in a way it was, but not in, not in such a specific way, but in a general Mm -hmm. way. Right. Right. So in those ways, 
yes. And so we find ourselves now in this odd place where we are looking around and saying, well, it looks like we're in the middle of one of those uh, repeat, you know, historical performances of, uh, as you said, the sort of autocrats that are, that are rising, people that are, that are um, seeking power for one group of people to oppress uh, other groups of people and, um, you know, people suffering for that. The thing mm-hmm. about it, though, the, the hopeful thing in Revelation is that, you know, it, it paints the picture of how, how that remnant, even though it does suffer, eventually overcomes. And again, not by violent force or anything like that. Um, but uh, in Revelation, it's this idea of the Christ kingdom, like he, quote unquote, comes but it's it's not in violence. It, you know, he's uh, John subverts all those images in Revelation. Yeah. So, yeah, and this is where I get to where like um where I I lean I, I'm not an open theist like Ord and and Karis and those folks, but this is where I I I'm sympathetic towards that because it's almost as if this book is written in such a way where it's like it could specifically be be about Rome, and yeah. I think it is. Yeah. But it's so predictable and human culture is so predictable. Like look at the four horsemen. All those things are anthropological. Yep. War, famine, death, pestilence, all those yep. things, they all kind yep. of go hand in hand. They do. When we see wars, we've got scorched earth policy, the people yep. suffer. You could slap sanctions on countries and those don't really affect the leaders. They affect the people, the poor people. So, right. so it's the cyclical thing that happens over and over. And there's this open-ended sort of end, right? Yeah. New Jerusalem comes. Peace will will happen. We don't know when this happens because two thousand years later, we're repeating rinse, rinse, wash, repeat. We're doing the same <laughs> thing right. over and over. Yeah. And and it could, you know, the kingdom of God could break through in a year. It could break through in a hundred years. That's the hope, though. But in right. the meantime, we are in this place where there is like this cycle of death yeah. and 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 famine and war and poverty. Yeah. And and we refuse because. We because we we see the only way to stop this is through force and coercion and violence, yeah. but that just perpetuates the problem. So it's this catch twenty two. So I won't say that like if if you look at someone who's saying they're a Christian nationalist, they want to bring about God's law, and they, I believe that in their minds they have the people's best interest. But as the saying goes, the road to hell, lead, you know, the uh, good intentions are, 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 what's the saying? The road, uh, the road to, to hell, hell is paved with good intentions. intentions. Yes. So they, even if, if, even if I give them the benefit of the doubt and say they have good intentions, they're leading us to hell because that way, the way of violence, the way of empire, the way of power, it does not lead to a good end. Yes. And we yeah. just continue to, and the only way, so going to go the second coming, how does the second coming happen? It happens mm. only through us. There's not, right. some, there's not some sort of um, deus ex machina coming down and saving our asses. If we are the hands and feet of Christ, yep. those of us who actually do the work that Jesus did, caring about the poor, the widowed, the enslaved, yeah. 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 the oppressed, the marginalized. So who are those people? Black folks in America, trans, um, LGBTQ, all the folks who are marginalized, the people who are the second to come into Christ are the people who care for those people. And that's the that's only right. way we get out of this mess. Yes. And now listen, so that is it, man. That to me is the, is the main disconnect 
that I wish Christians could see because they have been convinced by all this Darby bullshit, right? Um, and left behind and all this stuff. They've been convinced that the thing we're waiting for, what's going to rescue us from this dark history and this repeatable, you know, formula is the physical person of Jesus on a white pony in the sky, in the clouds, and here he comes to save the day. That is not what happens. In fact, in the that's one picture, right? So in Revelation, um, you it is sort of cyclical. You and that and that in itself is fascinating because it kind of does tell the story in different ways over and over and over again, right? So in one ending of the of the version of the the way it's overcome is yes, Jesus comes with a sword in his mouth, da da da. But then later on, at the very very end, when it tells the story, what changes everything? is this new Jerusalem that comes down from God out of heaven. And again, the new Jerusalem, it even tells you this as it's telling you, painting you this picture. It's us. It's Mm -hmm. it's the people. It's the bride of Christ. It says the city new Jerusalem comes down, but then it says it's the bride of Christ. So that's us. That's the metaphor that the scriptures use for the church, right? And yes, you know, when the, when you look inside of the city, at the heart of the city is Jesus sitting on a throne. That's again just a metaphor for the the this idea of Christ in us, the body of Christ. Uh, that's sort of powering everything. That's that's empowering, I guess you could say, the church. Um, but that's the that's that's what finally resolves this whole thing, and it does it, and again in a, in a peaceful way. Like in, in the Revelation, what is it, 22? Uh, it's the, the city comes down from heaven. It comes to earth. So it's the kingdom of God from heaven coming down to the earth in the form of the bride, which is us, with Christ in our hearts, at our heart, at our center. And it's the gates never being shut, always open, this endless invitation for everyone and anyone to come freely and drink, come and receive healing, come and receive restoration. If we could get that, right, this is what breaks this cycle that we're in. And until we recognize that we have a participatory role to play in this redemption of the entire planet, this transformation, uh, this breaking of this cycle of power over other people, controlling other people with, as you said, violence and war and threats of violence and, and you know, passing these uh, oppressive laws and uh, this us and them duality and all this stuff. Like we have to break that. We have to wake up from that. And, and until we do it, uh, it it's not going to change. We're just going to continually go round and around and around in this. Because Christians would rather, I mean, the average Christian and, you know, I, I always, you know, when I say Christians, I some, oh, well, not all Christians. Well, okay. You, you know, they would <laughs> rather cherry pick, even cherry pick that. And they'll say right. like, um, you know, when Trump wanted to build his wall. Yep. Well, you know, they use that imagery, they, you know, the, the wall of heaven. There's a wall in heaven, so we're going to use a wall in America. And they'll, they'll even cherry pick that. And, and it's like, right. well, wait a minute. There's a wall, but, but the but, gates are but open. But the gates are always open. And they, they, yes. they don't even want to recognize that. They're no. always open, which means the invitation is always there. Yeah. And so I think the point in that is, is not that there's a wall to keep people out. It's that there's a gate that allows people in. And, and what are the people in the city doing? They're not sitting there saying, well, you know, holding on to their own. No. They're, what are they doing? They're always 
throwing yeah. out the invitation. Come on. Yeah. It's freely fun. come and drink. It's, and by the way, there's good you, shit in you come, And when you come and drink from this river of life that's flowing from the throne of Christ, you know, when you get there because you're thirsty and you're drinking this water of life, then it says that the image is that these tr the tree of life, basically, these trees are growing on both sides of the river. And they are specifically, the leaves of those trees are specifically for the healing of the nation. So, so it's bringing healing, it's restoration, it's refreshing. Yeah, there's an open invitation to anyone and everyone. Because again, in, in Revelation, those nations that are you know outside the walls are the enemies of Christ. They're the and bad yet, guys. <laughs> to those enemies, yes, who have been going to war with Christ. Now, not that Christ has said they're his enemies. They've no. said that they are the enemies of Christ. So so his his posture is, hey, guys, the gates are never going to close. They're never going to shut. And the invitation comes out, you know, to those people on the outside, come on in. Like that, it, that has to be our posture, right? That has to be our attitude, sort of a getting away from an us and them, becoming open and welcoming, um, bringing the kingdom from heaven to earth. Like that seems to be, that was the main thing Jesus wanted us to get. And we still and haven't this got is, it. this is what's so frustrating about quote unquote Christian nationalism. It's like, okay, yes. why is it always default de facto that the, that, that it's a certain type of Christianity that's the, so it's like the Christian nationalist, it's always a certain like fundamentalist, right wing, conservative, kind yep. of Christo fascist interpretation of Christianity. Yes. But what if if we took a more, I hate saying this, biblical approach to Christianity, <laughs> then all of these kind of uh prophecies and visions of the future, the type of faith is is for the other nations. Yeah. This so like if you look at Revelation, it's just echoing what's in Isaiah. Yeah. And, and other other prophetic writings from the Old Testament where this uh, Israel is a blessing to all the nations. That's right. So the whole why, point was, yeah, yes, the, that they were Israel was called to be their mandate from God was that they would be a blessing for all the nations. So, and that's what Jesus was upset about the temple. The, po the point of the temple was supposed to be this is a house of prayer for all the nations. Yeah. And even in his first sermon in Luke four, what gets the people so riled up that the day of Jubilee wasn't just for their people? Yeah. It right. was for it Everybody. was for naming the Syrian. It yeah. was for people that were Gentiles and the widow and, that was the Gentile, yeah. Right. And so then you get to Revelation and you're like, what is who are in the leaders and the kings of the nations are in the city? So if we're gonna have a Christian quote unquote nationalist, which I don't yeah. I don't recommend. I'm not advocating for that. Not I'm just at all. trying to use their language to to understand why they have to mean that. What the the type of Christian nationalism that you should, if you're if you're really biblical, should be like, oh, give us your poor, give yeah. us your, you know the the poem on the Statue of Liberty, like That's this right. type of nation that you're tr trying to build in Jesus' name. If it was truly Christian, yep. would welcome the poor, would welcome the uh, to quote um, Supreme Leader Trump uh, from shithole countries. That's right. You would not view them as shithole countries. You would say, you know, you would have this open gate policy. And mm -hmm. and I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not a politician and I'm not saying this is, is my, I'm not, I'm not this is my platform. <laughs> my I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if you're going to be Christian and you're going to read your Bible, then your walls have gates that don't shut. 
So why yeah. are you shutting people out in the name of Jesus? That makes no sense. You're yeah. cherry picking in the worst. You're you're cherry picking the worst shit in the Bible to justify your shitty foreign policy and your shitty national <laughs> policy. It has right. nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with the second coming. It has nothing to do with any of this stuff. It's the worst stuff that you can find. Right. And now, so here's something else too. And and um, I wish I could take credit for this, but the, the first person I, I I've ever heard point this out it was Rob Bell. Um, so heretic alert, right? But um. But it was so genius, you know, and again, talk about patterns repeating throughout history, right? So, you know, in the Old Testament, right, you've got this, the story of Israel, their slaves in Egypt, and Moses here, sorry, God hears their cry and their prayer. So God goes to Moses in the burning bush and says, the prayers of my people are, you know, people crying out, my people are crying out as slaves in Israel, and I've heard their prayers and I'm sending you to go to the Pharaoh and say, let my people go, right? So the, the, their story, the, this great story that's told about the nation of Israel is that they are slaves. And the, who is their God? Their God is the God who listens to the cry of the slave and responds and rescues them. And so then they become a great nation. And then you keep reading the story. And then David is their greatest king who unites the kingdoms. And... Um, Then he decides he's going to build a temple for God. And God says, well, no, your son should do it. So Solomon now is building the temple. And then we read that Solomon is using slave labor. Slaves, yep. What the hell? So this, the irony, here's that, that beautiful, that, that crazy irony. You were slaves. God heard your cry as slaves. God made you a great nation. And then to honor that God, you use slaves to build a temple in his name. Like, what are you doing? Now, America is the same way, Right. We were, we were immigrants, and so we have come and we built this nation, and now we don't, we oppress immigrants. We came here for religious freedom, and now we don't, we want to take religious freedom away from other people. Like, we are repeating the same pattern. Like, yep. the thing that defined who we were in the beginning, the thing that set us apart, and we were all about this, and now we've become the thing that we were running from. And we've now created an an empire that I guess another group of people down the road are going to, you know, leave us and go somewhere else to, to, to like get, or they're crying out to God, God, hear our prayer, rescue us from this horrible empire, America, that's stealing our our freedom and, uh, and oppressing us. Yeah. That, that story was, um, one of the things that solidified, I was already deconstructing, but solidified my view that I can't change this from within. I was like, I, I'm done. Yeah, exactly. And I brought, I brought that story up exactly in the way you told it. Yep. Moses, slaves, they grew, they, this was a God for the slaves, right? Yes. This is, this is uh, foreign to the ancient world. Of course. The, the gods blessed, I mean, blessed the people in charge, right? Yes. The, the God was not listening. There's no gods listening to the, <laughs> the cries of slaves. Yeah. And then, and then they turn around and they build a, a temple on the backs of slaves. And the people in the Bible study that I was at were just like, oh, but they, no, they treated it. it was, they call it slave, but it was more like they, I mean, they were paying their, they were paying yeah. good wages. They were treating them nicely. And I was like, peace <laughs> out, bitches. I'm out. Like, I can't, nope, not doing this. Um, and, and, and yeah, we've, re- we've repeated the, the exact same thing and we'll do it again and we'll do it again, which is why I don't, well, well, two things, which is why I don't just throw out the Bible because Right. Without, without, without that, story, that story, yeah, we, we don't that. have a voice for the oppressed. That's right. in, in, in ancient literature, archaic literature, we do not have a God 
of those type of people, the enslaved, the oppressed, the marginalized. Uh, there wasn't like a God of the, the, an Egyptian God who was like, well, you probably shouldn't treat the Hebrews correctly. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, the God's blessed those who are in charge. That's the sign that they're blessed. I mean, it's even in yeah. Deuteronomy. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you got a shitty situation in life, well, what sin did you do? You're, you're yeah. obviously not doing the right things. Um, and the second thing is why I don't throw out the book of revelation. I don't think it's just nonsense. I, I think yeah. our interpretation of it has been nonsensical. Yeah. However, it it explains perfectly what the hell's going on today. I mean, yeah. if, if and I don't think it's a one to one. I'm not trying to read, but like, look at climate change and our destruction of the planet. If you're going to write that in a Jewish hyperbolic apocalyptic way, how are you mm. going to write it? Mm. The stars are falling to the earth. The sky's going to roll up like a scroll. Josephus yep. describes this kind of stuff in, in non-biblical terms, but he yep. uses that same sort of apocalyptic language. And if you're an apocalypticist, is that a word? You're going to write, how are you going to write climate change or deforestation or the oceans rising? You're yep. going to write it in really verbose, hyperbolic ways that's going to sound like the book of Revelation. So I think it's a perfect descriptor for what's going on. Right. No, that's a great point. And see, this that's exactly right. And so uh, I'm not a fan of Revelation because it has been so jacked up and co-opted right. and bastardized yeah. yeah into something it is absolutely not in fact we Correct. have turned it into the exact opposite of what it was intended to be and we completely yeah. missed the point so yeah so i want that on that level i'm frustrated enough to say just don't even read that book it's just get rid of it but but on the level you're talking about if you can read if we can learn how to read it the way it is intended to be as this sort of metaphorical hyperbolic story a work of art right almost mm -hmm. like you see a movie like you watch a film and you know it, you see a character you see people going through a struggle and there's a bad guy and a good guy and something is happening and in the end they they overcome it by in, in a certain way and you go wow and then later on you're thinking about it and you go you know that was almost a metaphor for this other for this bigger problem or this bigger thing and you oh wow that was genius i get it right like if you can do it that way, if we could get it that way, not make it so literal, but mm -hmm. but notice. I think this is what I love so much about you know Heretic Happy Hour when we now we've done it twice. Um, that series on um, on parables, because we kind of did the same thing with those parables, right? We were reapproaching them from reading them from the standpoint of the oppressed, mm -hmm. reading them like from the economic standpoint of the poor. Mm -hmm. And and then suddenly you real you read them differently. They hit differently. You go, oh wow, yeah. It doesn't make any sense that God is the is the angry, you know, impatient landowner or or mm -hmm. the the bride or the father of the bride, uh, you know, at the wedding feast who's cutting people in half for not dressing properly. <laughs> like, right. no, that's not God. What are you talking about, right? But you need. A way we need a way to reapproach those scriptures, Revelation especially, to well, approach and, and the, from the, the oppressed, from the view of the yes. oppressed. And, and and Revelation actually gives us this. What I believe gives us this. It gives us this hermeneutical lens in in chapter five, hmm. when John turns around. Who does he expect? That's right, a lion, a lion, and a lion of get? the tribe of Judah. A you get a lamb as if slain, and so. Yes. That whole, if you're like, oh, uh, well, here comes the wrath of what? The wrath of the lamb? Have you met a lamb? Yeah. They're they're not exactly wrathful. They're not going to roar. They're going to like That's right. whatever. So no, that laugh. I love, yeah, I love that because the, David Bentley Hart, in his translation, uh, at that point, he has a note 
because he he translates it he translates the word suckling lamb and he has a note under that where he says that literally it's the word it's the Greek word for a suckling lamb like literally a newborn baby lamb and I I encourage people listening to this right now Google baby lamb or suckling lamb and you will get the cutest yeah Google image there you go lambs they are the cutest little things and and so. Then when you read about the quote unquote, the wrath of the lamb, it should make you laugh out loud because yeah. it's, it's like the wrath of the kitten or the wrath of the puppy. It's, it's intended to be ironic. Like, right. no, it's not that. It's not the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's this cute little fuzzy little baby suckling lamb, you know, who's hopping around on the grass. Like, yeah, there's no wrath. That's not it. It's not what you expect. It's it's subverting all of those ideas and images. And, and so, yeah, and you're totally right. Yeah. That's that that is what we are missing. And that's exactly the type of subversive. That, that's the type of language you use in order to subvert already supposed ideas. Which right. is why, like Jesus carries a sword in Revelation. Yes, where does it, it's a sword from his mouth? He's not. Yeah, no one carries. Up a, yeah, right. you don't carry a sword in your teeth. Yeah. Right. And then he's like chopping heads off by shaking his head back and forth. No, it's like, so, so it's, it's language used in order to shock you like the parables. It's sort of yeah. to shock you out of complacency, out of whatever, whatever you're thinking, it's going to say, nope, it's quite different actually. Right. And then the whole, again, talking about the beginning of Jesus ministry, right? The, the first thing he says, I guess it's in Matthew at the beginning of Matthew, uh, he begins his ministry with this, this idea of metanoia, which doesn't mean, you know, in your English Bible, it says repent. That's part, again, part of the, part of the challenge of really getting at this subversive language of this intended in the New Testament is because a lot of our English translations have softened it or redirected that, that subversion. But it should be like correctly. What it would be is you would, you'd be reading the gospels and then this Jesus guy kicks off them in his ministry by standing up in front of everybody and saying, change your mind, think differently. It's not what you think. It's totally different from what you expect. And then he does the Sermon on the Mount. Like, like he's saying from the beginning, it's not what you think. Mm -hmm. Whatever you're thinking, it's not that. Change your mind, change your expectations. And it, again, if we could get that. So again, there's that code from the beginning. He's letting you know, Whatever do you think it's going to be, it ain't that. It's something else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, think a little more. Think again. Um, and, and yeah, then you'll notice all the subversive things that Jesus does and says. And, and even the Sermon on the Mount is full of amazing subversive things. Like one, one thing I noticed recently, I'd never seen it before, but it was, I was looking at it again and I, I saw this and I was like, oh my gosh, this is genius. So the part, it's the part where Jesus is saying, um, again, you've got you to picture it. He's talking to a crowd of mostly Jewish people, right? He's talking to his own people. And they are all expecting this Messiah to come, right? We want this guy who's going to lead us to like a violent overthrow of the Romans. That's, yeah. that's the whole point of a Messiah. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. Especially, again, they're at the bottom and they're suffering right. under the empire, right? So again, right. Yep. it's the same kind of thing we're at now. And he's talking to those people who are at the bottom who are like, Man, I'm ready for blood. Let's get this, you know, let's overthrow. Let's have an insurrection, basically, right? And so Jesus says to those guys, to those Jewish, to his own people, right? Um, and, and again, in their minds, the bad guys are the Gentiles, right? The, the Romans. 
we don't like those people. This is our land. They've come over. They've taken us over. They're you know we're 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 being oppressed by those Gentiles. Let's let's go get those Gentiles. And, so, they, and, and to be fair, they were. Well, they were. I mean, hell <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they deserved it. Yeah, it was like it right. was, uh, they were they were assholes. <laughs> yeah, totally. So so you know, to those people in that mindset, he says to them, you know, um, you know. We don't want to be like those Gentiles, do we? No, we don't like those Gentiles. Because you know what those Gentiles do? They only love those who love them in return. Yeah, that's right, those bastards. They only love people that love them back. We want to be better than them, don't we? Yeah, we want to be better than them. So that means we should love even people that hate us. We should love people that oppress us. We should love people that strike us on our left cheek. We'll turn the other one also. We're going to love them. We're going to love even people that don't love us in return, right? Because we're better than those Gentiles, right? And it suddenly, it flips it back around to like, wait a minute. (laughs) Did you just trick me into saying that because I don't want to be like those Gentiles over there, I'm going to love those Gentiles over there? Because that's really what he did. He just flipped it all back around. And it's it's genius the way he does it. I I just, and again, all through the Sermon on the Mount, he's doing stuff like that. All through his ministry, he does stuff like that. Um, That's what I think Paul does too. Yeah. In, in Romans 1, if you look at those lists yes. of vices in Romans 1, 18 through 32, it's yeah. like the first set are all the things that Gentiles do. That's right. Idol worshiping pagans. Yeah. It's yeah. like, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. hell yeah. Get and then those. he sandwiches, he sandwiches in shit that's like, well, uh, <laughs> shit, I was doing that's that last weekend. so bad. And then yeah. he ends, and then he ends it with more about, yeah, yeah. But, but sandwich in is like, you know. <laughs> Stuff that it's supposed to, it's supposed to get you riled up, and then he hits you with, "Well, you're doing the same type of stuff." Yeah, but don't you? It's just different ones, but different, right? Yeah, no, no, exactly. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. There's so much. There's so much rhetoric in 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 the scriptures in the Bible. There's so much rhetoric, and you'll miss it because as Christians, we often read ourselves as like the hero of the story. That's yeah. We're we're standing right alongside the people who are championed as the heroes rather than if Jesus were talking to us, he would get us shocked and uncomfortable. Yeah. We would be very, very uncomfortable listening to his parables and his stories, knowing that they're about us and our hearts and our posture. So again, exactly. Like again, if you want to be a Christian nationalist, how do you, how do you, how do you like, uh, form your nation. You welcome in the immigrant. That's yeah. all throughout. How many verses are in the Old Testament about welcoming the stranger and immigrant? That's I'll right. tell you a hell of a lot more than anti-gay shit. <laughs> a hell of a lot more. Yeah, way, Even the way. sins of Sodom are not welcoming the foreigner. Yeah, not caring for the poor. Not caring exactly. for the poor. Ezekiel yes. is the Bible's clear, brother. Ezekiel says that that's what it is. It's not like the sins of Sodom were two dudes having anal sex. No. That's not what it's about. No, it the says they were arrogant. Sodom, they were arrogant. arrogant. So that's prideful. Do we have pride? Prideful. Yes, we're, we're prideful people, right? We're the greatest nation on the face of the planet, right? That's yeah, right. They, were, they were arrogant, overfed. Yeah, do we have an obesity problem in America? Yeah, okay. Overfed and unconcerned for the poor among them. For the poor, yeah. right. Yep. That's the center and, and 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 we continue to have policies that don't take care. What what was the one uh, recently where Ted Cruz was like fist bumping? They blocked some oh, sort of bill oh, yeah, that they, was going to help veterans or something. Yeah, yeah, they blocked it. They successfully blocked a bill that was going to help veterans. 
um, that were that are already suffering from all kinds of horrible medical conditions. PTSD, homelessness, yeah. and poverty. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. That. Yep, yep, yep. And they Way went home, and yeah, they get they get off on this short. They, you know, they're caught fist bumping. Well, what is the that is that is right there the sin of Sodom. Right. That is exactly. has nothing to do with where those penises go. It has to do with <laughs> their there are they are legislatures who are openly rejecting to help the poor. That's Even right. though they're in a place where they're the elected officials who are supposed to care for them. And yeah. they are so called Christian nationalists. Yeah, and if you want to be, yeah, again, I think it boils down to also how you define the term Christian. Oh, of um, course. Right? Cuz I mean if we could just redefine, if if we could really help, quote unquote, Christians, reimagine the word Christian as Christ-like, right? And now, now just every time you put the word Christian in front of something, change it to Christ-like, right? So is this, Christ, are we a Christ-like nation? No. no. <laughs> are we a, uh, do we have a Christ-like government. No. No. Do we even have a Christ-like, you know, constitution or declaration of independence? No. Cuz that no. It, that document does not um honor the oppressed, the the poor, no. the slave, women, any of the No, it doesn't. It's not no. a Christ-like document. We're not a Christ-like no. nation. We don't have Christ-like policies. We're not Christ-like. And until we're Christ-like, we're not Christian. And so therefore, your second coming that you're waiting for is never going to happen. Nope. Until you as Christians <laughs> decide to be like Christ. And then in that way, the second coming will come. It That's won't right. look again. It won't look like what you're expecting. Right. You will not, you will not hear it. You won't be driving down the road and hear a in the sky and look up and go, holy crap. Is that a, that's a guy in a robe with a beard riding a pony and the clouds. Um, yeah, with a sword out of his mouth. Yeah, that, is that Jesus? No, that isn't no. going to happen. No, nope. your, se your second coming. Work. Your second coming will look like this. Your incarceration rate will will go yes. down and down yeah. and down and down. You'll end your drug war. You'll end your uh, your perpetual uh, military industrial complex. Yep. Your homelessness population will start to decrease and decrease and decrease, like it did in Finland and and, and some other yeah. nations. Yeah. Your uh your your you know your Poverty rate, the percentage of people in poverty will start yep. to go down and down and down. That is how the second coming of Christ comes. We're going the opposite way. We are. We just, you know, we just opened with, I'm in Maui. The homeless population is through the roof. I live in California. The homeless population is through the roof. Yep. That is a sign that the second coming is not coming. That's right. Because those things would go away. Who did Jesus hang out with? Who did Jesus bless? Who did Jesus heal? Mm -hmm. The people that we're turning our backs on. That's right. So there's no Jesus to be found. There's no second coming of Christ to be had. Yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Let's break it to you, folks. I know. I know. Everyone listening to this has just been shattered right now. But <laughs> totally. Um. <laughs> what? What? Are you kidding? But no. That's why you know I wrote this book, Jesus Unexpected, partly to expose the whole Darby nonsense and where this all this stuff came from, this left behind nonsense came from. But then the other half of the book is is what we're talking about to say that no. And I think this is justified even in the language in the New Testament. Like when Paul talks about the, uses language about the coming or the second coming of Jesus or Christ, it's the, it's the phrase parousia, which just means um, the presence. 
of Christ, which yeah. which he affirms in many other places is within all of us. Yeah. So it, this coming of Christ, it, it is within us. Christ, um, one of my favorite passages where he says, uh, gosh, where is that? I think it's Colossians, where he talks about how, talking about the, you know, the body of Christ, he's, which is us, he says, we are filled with the fullness of him, this is Christ, who fills everything in every way. So we are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. Um, it's this idea that until we change, the the world isn't going to change, right? Mm-hmm. We have to become that, that 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 bumper sticker, right? Become the change you want to see in the world. We we have to like until we change, until we are agents of that change. Um, yeah, n- nothing's going to happen. So. Uh, actually, there's another verse in Romans, actually, where Paul talks about, he says, all creation is groaning and longing for something to happen. And it's not the second coming of Jesus. What he says is all creation is groaning and longing for the sons and daughters of God to appear. Basically That's, for yeah. us to wake up yep. and become, you know, to fulfill yep. this own, our own prophecy. Yep. yep. And I was just about to mention that verse too. It doesn't. It doesn't say the earth groans for the second coming of Jesus. Nope. If it did say that, we would interpret. How do we interpret it? For the sons and daughters to be revealed. Yep. We the, 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 we don't get, just like we, it's, it's, it's pointless to have these scapegoats. It's also pointless to have a, a God who's going to ride in and save us. That's right. Um, and, and this is why the, the I, I believe the, the Messiah was, it's like, I understand why the disciples, Peter, why they were just like confounded by the Messiah going to die. It, it, right. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Like you are here to save us. Right. And it's just like, <laughs> no, this is not the way it works. Sorry. It's just not the way it works. I, I know that, you know, in our, we like to tell our stories that way. We have this hero who rides in on a, on a white cloud and saves us. And Jesus is our hero. Uh, but it's just not the way it works. We have to be collectively, I mean, he can be part of this hero yeah mythos but but we are just as much a part of that i think it's why he says like greater things you will do right because when we do it together as a community of people who do who, uh, who jesus is our um our archetype our mirror that the person we we emulate yeah but we do greater things only together by doing the things that he showed us how to do them right the expectation is for for us to do those greater things like the Again, the creation is waiting for us. God is right, waiting for right. us. Um, and what's funny too is like you know we almost get it because you were talking a minute ago just right there about you know okay so evangelical Christians I've heard sermons where evangelical pastors will talk about how oh you know the Jewish people back in Jesus' day in the first century they had it all wrong they were looking for this literal fulfillment of this Messiah who would literally come and literally go to war and literally overthrow the oppressive Romans and literally establish the throne of David, uh, you know, in Israel, in Jerusalem. That's, they were looking for this little, no, no guys, you have it all wrong. Jesus did, did, he was the Messiah and he did quote unquote save you, but it was in a spiritual way. It was something within you. It wasn't a regime change in, in Rome or in Jerusalem, it was a regime change in your heart that you would let Christ be the king of your life. 
And in that way, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of the Messiah. And, and so you can say, okay, great. But now do you see that you now, like next Sunday, that same pastor would preach from Revelation and say, oh no, this all literally has to happen. This is all <laughs> literally going to happen. Like, no, dude, you're doing the same thing. You're missing that it's not, uh, none of this is literally going to happen. None of these prophecies are literally going to be fulfilled but they might be fulfilled spiritually. And where would that spiritually happen? Well, where, where did it spiritually happen when Jesus came the first time? In the hearts of his disciples, in the hearts of the people, right, surrounding him. And it, that's the same place it has to be fulfilled for, for the revelation. Until that prophecy is fulfilled within the people, within us, it will not be fulfilled. It's not, it's not literal. It is spiritual. And the fulfillment happens within the people, not within the politics or, you know, in some literal way. Well, it only happens literally anthropologically when it, when, when our hearts are changed first. Yeah, exactly. It's our, it's our hearts that are changed. And then collectively we bring about the change that we want to see. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And Jesus uses that whole metaphor, right? When he says, you know, um, it's ridiculous to expect a, uh, a fig tree to bear grapes or olives, right? No, no. He says, first change the tree, and then the tree bears the fruit of what it is. So again, mm-hmm. we have to become the people, the kinds of people who bear that kind of fruit. So there, there's this transformation within us that has to change first. And once you change the tree, once you make the tree good, then the then that tree produces good fruit. And right now, we're not all we're not producing very good fruit. We're producing a lot of bad fruit. Well, because it, we talked about repentance earlier, mm. and I hear it all the time. I I know you do too. Where we're told we have to repent, mm-hmm. we have to repent for our stance on LGBT. We have to repent for our politics. We have to repent for not being, you know, blah blah blah, for not believing in hell, uh, <laughs> for talking about Buddhism, whatever, right. whatever. And it's like. Well, I, I've undergone, if I think back 10, 15 years, I've undergone more seismic changes in my thinking than I ever thought I would. Yep. And then I can't help but ask to the people who are the Christian nationalists, the, what, when is the last time you had a seismic shift right. in your way of thinking? Mm-hmm. When is the last time you repented? Right. And, and it's like... I, as an evangelical, you don't. You just you just try to align yourself more with what you already believe. That's right. But when have you really changed your mind about doctrine, about ecclesiology, about your worldview, about your politics, about whatever? That's When's right. the last time you ha- any of them have a seismic shift? It's like I, you need to repent, brother, of your LGBT stance. I, no, I did, and that's why I'm here today. Right. Like I, I, I went I went from you know. Uh, self-induced shame right for being who i was and yeah. thinking that was bad and wrong and there's something wrong with me to to being open and affirming yeah. and so i can't change my mind any more than i did except to revert back to the slop i was already eating <laughs> right why would i do that yeah see and exactly right like the so the verse that the uh even when i was evangelical people love to quote romans uh romans 12 be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's like, okay, do you realize the only way for you to actually do that is to entertain new thoughts? 
to listen to ideas that contradict and challenge what you already believe until you're able to do that. You're never going to be renewed by the be transformed by the renewing of your mind because you're totally closed off to any other thoughts or ideas that don't align with what you already think you is right. So you have to remain open to the possibility of, well, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I have something to learn. Maybe, uh, maybe this is, maybe I'm not exactly right on with this. Again, that's that whole, the whole point of metanoia, the whole point of transformation. Um, and you're right. So yeah, if you're a conservative, you're about, you're, you're totally closed off to any, any new ideas or you're against that. That's a bad thing. And that's why, that's why progressive Christianity is dangerous, (laughs) you know? Well, and, and you're, you're conserv- what are you conserving? If you're conservative, you're, what are you conserving? You're conserving that which you already believe, right? That's right. That which, that's already the ways that we did things. That's why, that's why I was raised. So that's what we're going to go back. It's like, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying, like, when I think of progressive politics, I'm not saying they get everything right by oh, any no. stretch of the imagination. No, 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 no. And there's a lot of things within progressive circles that I cringe at and I yes. want to kind of throw up in my mouth a little bit. Um, but at least, at least you're trying to progress in, in being progressive. You're kind of presupposing that you're progressing to something like, yeah. and, and that requires an open mind. Yes. And, and so I just can't help but think like, if you're staunchly conservative, then you're unwilling to progress because, Ooh, that's dangerous. Like yeah, you just said, exactly. progressive Christianity. Oh my God. That's got, it's like you're progressing away from Jesus. Uh-huh. But conservatism <laughs> has nothing to do with first century Jesus. I mean, let's just be honest. Yeah. Capitalism, like you really no. think Jesus was a capitalist? If they anything, do, they, it, do. they do. If anything, he was a voluntarist communist. <laughs> he asked us to voluntarily commune with each other and give away all of our shit. Right. I, I mean, he I didn't ask remember. the state to do it. So I can't I can't say the state he was a state funded communist or anything yeah. like that. But, but he asked us to, to like, it's embrace. Yeah, we are at least at bare minimum. The Book of Acts is encouraging us that as we are swept up and caught up in this kingdom of, of of God that has come to earth, this this beautiful revelation of loving one another, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving one another as Christ loved us. That in the process of being caught up into that, we end up with Acts chapter two, where no one considered anything that they owned to be their own property, but freely sold whatever they had to feed the poor among them. Um, so there's no no private ownership, right? Uh, that everything <laughs> that that everything uh, is is basically as community communal owned communal property. Um, it, it, there's there's someone that actually pointed out there's these the two main phrases from what from socialism or Marxism, right? What is it to each as they have need and from each as they have ability, uh, something like ability that. Or something like that. Yeah. That those yeah. two phrases are taken straight out of the book of Acts. Yeah. 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 And that can be manipulated too and twisted. Of course. Of but course. the point being is that yeah, this this Jesus that the, the Jesus that the conservatives really believe in and and I just got into this with someone on a podcast. Uh, I won't mention names here, but oh, but I know what you're talking was, about. Yeah, yeah, you do, and some people might. But it was basically like it was the same old stock line. You progressives only want to cherry pick the love stuff, the love others, but you want it, you refuse the hard things that Jesus said. And I'm like, no, that no, actually, actually, the shit that Jesus said. When you just said there's no private ownership, I own a home, right, I own a right, car. Right. 
Right. Like I, I own this this lovely Yeti microphone and this laptop, which is my life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I own those those Tolkien books over here. I own, and so all these things like that's the hard shit that I'm personally wrestling. Like, okay, yeah. well, yeah, I'm not saying we should go back to acts too. I don't know. I, I don't live my life like that. I'm just trying to, you know, yeah, live within this cap, you know, end of you know, end stage capitalist hellhole that we're all in. <laughs> end stage, yes, I like that. Um. But no, I wrestle strongly with some of the things yeah. that Jesus taught because it's I do believe it it's very challenging. I'm not yeah. I'm not glossing over the hard things that he said. Love your enemy. Are you serious? I'll slap the shit out of something. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, I struggle with all those things all the time. Right. But here's the thing, too, though. I, I mean, if you if you were to get into this specific thing and uh, I, I did, I have not heard the conversation that you're speaking of, but I heard about it. It's not released but, and it, it'll be a doozy. Yeah. <laughs> Grab I'm your sure popcorn, people. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, but like how I would respond to that challenge is like, oh, you, you know, you, you want to cherry pick the love stuff and you, you don't want to, the, the hard sayings of Jesus. Well, I mean, so like you, you pointed out some really great ones. Yes. Those are, those are the things that challenge all of us personally, but, didn't most of the hard things that Jesus said, the rebukes, again, were for the conservatives of his day, the people that were preserving, you know, the truth and were against him showing, spending time with the poor and the outcast, right? Like those, he was harshest towards people that frankly tend to align mostly with the ideologies that we see, right, in conservative Christianity. So I'm all in favor of, of saying, well, no, let's go look at those hard sayings because those hard sayings yeah. are, um, he's right, you know? Yeah. He's That's right why I wrote, I, I wrote an article, uh, I don't know, a year or two back on Pathos. If anyone goes to hell, it's the Christians. Yeah. Because those, those are honestly the people, the gatekeepers of the faith, yes. the ones who are in, those are the ones he told that are going to hell. Yeah. You're going to end he, up in this place. Yeah. I don't think it's that, eternal. I'm a universalist. But at the same time, like, yeah, there are consequences. And and, yeah. and the ones who have the most consequences are the so-called, you know, gatekeepers of faith, the orthodox, the ones yep. who are in, you know, all those. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't tell the prostitute she's going to hell. He no. tells the scribes and the Pharisees and the people who are his own faith leaders. Yeah, and doesn't he even say something like, you know, that those those people that you think are on the outside, the prostitutes and the Gentiles and the tax collectors and the uh, those that are sick and lame, they're going to enter the kingdom ahead of you. Well, yeah, before you. Well, they're going to get there before you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Yeah. All right, folks. There you well, go. There you go. Another episode done and dusted. If everyone listening can please go rate and review on iTunes, but only if you enjoy the show. If you hate follow us, please don't do that. But if you go, do go like away. this show, go, yeah, go away. <laughs> Quit using our stuff for fodder like we do to Elisa Childers. Yes. I know we haven't done that in a while. Not in a while. I just, I frankly don't care anymore. No. Well, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if she's, if the algorithm has changed and I'm just not seeing her stuff anymore, but it feels I think the like algorithm heard the episode where you said, I don't care anymore. And it's, it, Cut Maybe that's, you know, but it feels, I get the general sense that those voices are not um, as dominant as they maybe were for a while. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know, know what's going on. I, Cause I don't, I don't hear as much from them anymore as I did. I think the, I've been, I've been watching more political stuff. I can't, I can't stop watching the Alex Jones stuff. Oh, it's ridiculous. The, um, the, uh, the trial he's did you hear what happened with him just the other day off? yes his his stupid lawyer sent his entire 
all of his data from his phone to the to the opposition, and they're like, "Well, now we know you were lying under and oath. and had a week to say that this is like class, whatever the term is, yeah, yeah, the privilege uh, or whatever, privileged." Um, yeah. Had a week and they went or ten days. Yeah, still did not say it's privileged. The time yeah. elapsed so that they could use it then in court. I'm just not, like, oh, this is so. And that judge is just so condescending toward him. I, I love it. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what perjury is? <laughs> I was like, God damn, this man's getting raked over the cold. Shit. Oh, crazy uh, times. Anyway, yep. Thanks for listening. Love y'all, Keith. Love y'all. See you out there. Me too. Yep. Thanks everyone for listening. Oh, support our sponsors, by the way. Go pick up that CD. Sounds like a, sounds like a winner. I've got it on my perpetual rotation right now, and it is That's banging. That's right. Oh, yeah. All right. Later. Later.